are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. This morning, uh, I'm going to be speaking to you for the next few moments, and if you just put it up, we're going to talk about five things to do while you wait on God. Five things, uh, you know, and so you're going to remember them, I trust, you know, you've got five fingers, maybe just kind of put that into, you know, the thumb, the finger, you know, all that represents maybe a point, and let's just track together on what God's saying. I have uh, been praying and believing God for a fresh word for you today. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we prepare our hearts, that God, you're going to speak to us about what it is we need to hear from you. God, there's so many things going on in our world today. God, there's so much uh, noise. There's so much information. Uh, many of us, if we're away from our work for a day or two or a few days, there will be dozens, if not hundreds, of emails. And Lord, it just seems that we can hardly get out from under all of the information and all of the noise. But God, we pray that there would be something today that would just uh, cut through all of that and bring us, Lord, into a healthy holy place in you we pray in Jesus name amen want to talk this morning about as I said five things to do when you're waiting on God and I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about community how important it is to be a part of community the word community comes from a Latin noun you would call it communitas and it commonly refers to either an unstructured community in which people are equal or to the very spirit of community. And so during times of rest and seeking God, I have been experiencing a deeper hunger for the more that God has for us. I joked this morning about last night, for whatever reason it's true, I rested but I did not have much of a sleep. It just seemed like I could not fall asleep. But as I was in that place, I just felt that the Lord wanted to speak to me, that he wanted to impart things into my heart. And one of the things about growing older is you can grow older and just get older, or you can become wiser and you can use the time that God gives you. And we must treat the time with respect that God has given us. You see, the Bible talks in Ecclesiastes, and we're not going to go there. There's one verse we're going to look at. But it talks in verse uh, chapter 4 and verse 9 to 12 about how there's different seasons in our lives. And you probably read it. talks about two are better than one. If you fall down, somebody's there to pick you up. It talks about, you know, uh, there's a time to plant and a time to reap and, and on and on. This morning, I want to speak more specifically about this verse that we find in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And uh, if you'll look at that verse, or, or if it'll look, it'll be on the screen for you there. 
I just want to remind us about something very, very important about this verse that you may or may not have seen before. It says in Isaiah 40, 31, But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Now there's different translations, but that's a great translation. And it's a powerful scripture, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. The next slide says, it's very interesting that the meaning of this word wait, in the primitive root, it means to bind together, or perhaps the idea of twisting. And so if you want to take the word in its original form, it'd be something like this. They that wait upon the Lord, they that are bound to or are binded together, or those that are twisted together or intertwined together, those that are intertwined together shall renew fresh strength when they are bound with the Lord. You see, when you say wait, it means a lot of things. Wait can be a discouraging word for many people. It can be like waiting in the doctor's office or waiting for a report to come about whether you're okay or not. And you can understand what I mean. It's, it just doesn't always say what you think when we say, they that wait upon the Lord. But when you hear it like this, those that are bound with the Lord together, those that are intertwined together, they have that that. that twisted together, three-fold cord that's not easily broken back in Ecclesiastes. Remember, I referred to that. That's the kind of relationship God's looking for. It's not a relationship of, of works lest any man should boast. It's not a relationship of trying to win God's approval. So, your life may not look like you had hoped. But that doesn't mean that God still isn't at work. You're waiting on something, maybe something you've been longing for, and sometimes the struggle of waiting for the unknown can become overwhelming in our lives, where we're just waiting. I remember our third child was born, and, and, and she was beautiful as the first two are and were, and uh, when our third child was born, we had waited for five and a half years because we thought two was good, and then my wife wanted a third, and I know she wanted a boy. And I said, listen, so far, two girls. I've got four sisters. You've got three you know, girls in your family. I bet we'll have a girl. So I said, listen, you have got to want a third child, not a boy. And so we waited for five and a half years until she felt about that was okay. That was okay. So we finally got that place and we said, okay. And, and the baby was born, beautiful child. And uh, they took the tests and they did what they do. And they, and they took some blood and they came back and they told us, you know, there's something missing. It's an enzyme. Some of you know about this. You have medical experience. Some of you have maybe been through this. They said, uh, right now, the baby is perfect, but if this enzyme isn't there, over time, this child will go 
They will become retarded. They will not be able to function normally over time. It'll get worse. But they said that it's not always the way we read it now. We have to take a test. And I can't remember now, but I think it was something like a month later. It was at least four weeks, I think. And I was out speaking, and now she's 23 now, so that was a long time ago. And uh, I was speaking, I remember I was in Slave Lake, Alberta. And, and I was staying in the hotel, and it felt like all through the night that the enemy, Satan, was mocking me and saying, your daughter's going to be retarded. You see, because I didn't know, because I was waiting for the report because they were going to take another test and get back to us. And I remember going home and, and uh, the phone rang. And this is before we have all the fancy technology we have now. Back then you had, remember, the, the recording machine and you got the voicemail that you pushed a button. Well, we still have it, but, you know, the old sort of fashion kind of old school one. And uh, what happened was the phone rang and I was downstairs, my wife was upstairs, and for some reason we both picked up the phone at the same time, but she said hello first, and it was our medical doctor. And that doctor has been in our lives for 33 years. She delivered all of our babies, she's been their physician all these years, and so on. And she said, I don't normally call to give a report, but I want you to know that the tests have come back and everything is okay. That whatever was missing is now there. And I was downstairs and I was, yes! But because they didn't know I was on the phone, I had to kind of keep it quiet. But when we hung up, we both shouted, thank you, Jesus. And we, there was tears. Why? Because we were waiting. Asking God for direction, looking for answers, expecting something to come, change in your life maybe. The hardest part is that these things that we are waiting for are usually completely out of our control. And that's what makes it really hard. So waiting on God can seem so difficult. Waiting on God seems to be intertwined with every milestone of our lives. If you think about your life from early on all the way through to your present time, whether you're 10 years old here or whether you're 80 years old, there's been this intertwining of things that you've had to wait for and wait upon God for. While we can't change our past, there are some things that we can definitely do about the future. Now let me just give for you this interesting thought as it relates to waiting. Waiting is something, as I said, that many find very, very difficult. You know, Joseph in the Bible is one of my heroes. He waited 13 years in order to come to that place where God could use him, 13 years. Abraham waited 25 years. Moses waited how many? 40 years. 
Jesus waited 30 years before his ministry went public. Now, he was doing a lot of things that were preparing him, but it wasn't until his 30th birthday, which ties into the Old Testament high priest and that you had to be 30 in order to hold that office. And Jesus, as you know, was prophet, priest, and king. And so he was fulfilling all the things that were required of him, but he was having to wait. And there was times when in his waiting, let's say even after he was 30, imagine when he was waiting in the Garden of Gethsemane to go to the cross and he asked his disciples, could you not tarry or wait for just a while with me? And the Bible tells us they fell asleep. They became very tired. Isn't it funny? The times you want to sleep, you can't. And the times you do, you maybe shouldn't be sleeping. Like driving a car. You get so tired. and you're so, or, or watching a good movie and you can't keep your eyes open. And then you know when you got to get up early to go to work or something important and you're watching the clock and every moment seems like an hour. If God is making you wait, I want to suggest that you're in good company. You're in good company. The next slide says, remember what God has done in the past. That's the first thing of the five as my life has unfolded I see that God's hand has been involved in every step single step that I've taken and that his plans were so much better than that I ever even expected one of the things I did a number of years ago and I and I really enjoyed it I was a part of a, a training session on leadership and, and we got this big uh it was kind of not, uh, what would you say, it was not, it was thick paper, you know, the big uh, poster type material. And it was at least this size, something like that. You folded it in half and you made kind of like a book when it closed. You opened it up, you put it on the wall. And what they did was we divided our lives in sections of 10 years. So let's say I was 40 at the time. So I had four sections that I was going to look at in my life of being 40 years old. Zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, so on. And you had some stick it notes, sticky notes, and they were different colors. So let's say yellow was good, uh, you know, maybe uh, blue was not so good or something like that. And you wrote down the things that you remembered from zero to 10. And then you put them up on this timeline of your life. And you looked at it. And when it was done, throughout the time, it was so interesting to see all of the things that were good. But how that there was, let's say, a blue sticket note right in the middle, maybe at seven years of age, when that thing happened in your or my life. Maybe at 21 when the person that we thought God had given us to marry all of a sudden broke off the engagement and went a different direction and our heart was broken 
in the middle of graduation with high honors and open doors for all kinds of career activity and all kinds of positive yellow notes. There was something there. And you look back on it now and you say, thank you, God, that I didn't go that direction because that wasn't the way. I remember I had gone to college at 19. I had left Canada, gone to San Diego for a one-year uh, kind of leadership school. And I was really looking to find where I was fitting in in life. And I really had a sense that I needed to get away. And, and, and so I went there. And while I was there, I uh, fairly large school, multi-generational uh, people from all ages, walks of life, all over the world, as a matter of fact, were there. And I met a really great guy. I was, like I said, 19. He was probably 25 six or seven he seemed really old at the time and uh he did he seemed like a really old guy and uh and omar byler and myself became friends he was a pastor in pennsylvania but for whatever reason and to this day i don't even know what he he took a break from the ministry he was married he went to this school I mean, he had already taken his education, but it was kind of like a, a little extra shot in the arm. And he went to the school, and maybe he was looking for God in a new way or whatever. So he was there, and we became friends. I came back home after. He contacted me, and he said, Ken, uh, I want you to come and see if you would like to be my youth pastor in At Glen, Pennsylvania. Uh, you go to Philadelphia, you drive about an hour, hour and a half. It's in Amish country. It's just gorgeous there. And I thought, what? He says, listen, there's Valley Forge uh, Bible College here, Sems of God. We'll give you an, a, a free ride, a full scholarship. We'll pay your tuition. You'll be our youth pastor. Uh, you know, you'll get your degree and you'll work in the church. Come down, see what you think. And so at you know, 20 years of age, I flew there, I, I met with the leadership, I spoke on Sunday morning, I think, or Sunday night, maybe it was, and I talked to the youth, and then we prayed and so on, I left, I went home, he said, give it some time to pray, and then let's call and talk to each other. I came home, and I thought, this is not right for me. I don't know why it's not right, but it's not. I remember going home, and now this is like, what is this? I, I mean, I'm 56 almost. This is like 20 years ago, so it's a while ago. Uh, I'm 20 at the time. And uh, I come back to Edmonton, and he had given me $200 U.S., you know, as, as an honorarium. Paid my way, all of that. You heard what I said. And I'm thinking, this is like a million bucks right here. How can I say No. I mean, it almost felt that way. He's a dear man of God. But I said to him, no. And then I went to another college in Dallas and went on for more education. I met my wife. And we've been married for 31 years. She's from Sweden. She was raised in Africa. We met in Dallas. We live in Canada. You see, like, God knows what's best. And then about 10 years later, Omar calls me again. 
And he says, Ken, I'm now the pastor in Vienna, Austria, in the international church. In other words, they speak English, and it's big, and it's beautiful, and it's all, and would you come and be my associate pastor? Now, that was really tempting. But again, the answer was no. And I could tell you different reasons why. I just want to talk about remembering what God has done in the past. Now, while I wait, I'm learning to deepen my trust in God and remind myself of what his faithfulness in my life. If I could know what he knows, I would choose his plan every single time. And I believe that God does want us to know. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what, the, what God is saying to the church. The slide says the bottom line is that worry equals a lack of trust in God. And so do I really trust him? I want my mind to say yes even when my heart says no. If God is God, he can be trusted. Can you say amen? I want to move in that direction during my times of waiting. If I could just trust God in that waiting time. While I'm waiting, I need to, number one, remember what God has done. Number two, I need to deepen my prayer life. Why worry when you can pray? We've all heard that one before, but it's true. And the other thing about prayer, especially in times of waiting or times of, you know, uncomfortableness, maybe in a relationship, what I've found is that as you pray for people, you cannot pray for somebody and, and hate them at the same time. I know that's a strong word. Let's say dislike them. Let's say, you know, really, really abhor them. Whatever words you want to use. But you can't despise, look down upon, see somebody as inferior when you're praying over their lives. You cannot hate the church down the road, no matter what they have done or what they have said, if you're praying for them. You need, we need to deepen our prayer lives. Slide, next slide. Why overanalyze my future when I have the opportunity to impact my future by calling on the supernatural, most holy and high God? You see, God is so big. I want to learn to connect with Him. I want to learn to communicate with Him. I want to spend time with him while I wait in his presence. Because no matter the end result, the thing I need more than anything else while I wait upon the Lord is to deepen my intimacy with God. To deepen that intimacy. Someone has broken it down into me, he sees. Into me, into you, he sees. Intimacy. That this is the time when God is allowing the, the Holy Spirit and, and, and the light to shine 
into those areas that have been hidden or have been darkened or somehow have been disguised or maybe just kind of hidden so that you wouldn't have to deal with them. See, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Your heart's about the size of your fist. Go ahead, make a fist. Go ahead and place it where you think your heart is. God wants to look inside your heart. The fists have been used for a lot of things. People have raised their hand to proclaim something. To say it's not going to happen. People have raised their fists to hurt people, to hit people. You can use your hand to bring blessing or you can bring your hands, use your hands to bring curse. You can lift somebody up or you can push somebody down. It all depends on what's going on inside your heart, inside your spirit, in the deeper part of who you are. When we're down, the devil whispers his lies into our minds. You can't do this, he says. No one appreciates you. Why not call it quits? We need to recognize all discouraging thoughts as coming from him and reject him, the devil, Satan, the adversary, the liar. We need to be careful not to overanalyze, but to realize that God wants a deepening intimacy into me. He can see my life. He knows what's best. He's actually in control. I want the waiting to bring me closer to Him rather than fill me with bitterness and resentment. And it's my choice which route I take. Number three, while I wait, I deal with my baggage. I deal with my baggage. I think the period of waiting can be a, a huge time of healing and growth where the pruning process takes place, where God takes out the things that have been allowed to form inside of me over time. We understand it from a medical point of view. If an x-ray, an MRI, a CAT scan, a bone scan, if it reveals something that shouldn't be there, we have surgeons that know how to skillfully remove. Now we have robots that can do even better than surgeons. Why? Because even the best surgeon has a tremor in his hand. And so when he's operating on the brain, he can't afford to have that tremor when it's such a delicate surgery. And they have invented robots. And Canada has been very involved in this because of the Canada arm in the space station. It's amazing what happens there where all of that work goes on in outer space through the Canada arm. And now the technology comes in and does brain surgery. Why? Because it's without any tremor. God gave human beings the ability, the knowledge, the wisdom to know how to make those things in order to heal and help us. 
how much more can God, the Holy Spirit, extract and take out and put in the things that need to be there or not be there. God is bringing us healing in our lives. He's healing our hearts. He's healing our perspectives. He's working out the sin that has formed like plaque on the teeth when you go to the dentist and they go through that grueling exercise on a yearly basis probably of cleaning your teeth and, and scaling, what do they call that? You know, they go and it, it, it's, it's not nice, but it, it's good for you. And you walk away, and sometimes a day later your mouth is even sore. Why? Because they have stirred up a lot of stuff inside your mouth. God is wanting to get to you in that kind of way. He doesn't want you to take a breath mint to just cover the problem. He wants to eradicate the problem. Now, they that wait upon the Lord, they that are intertwined, they that are bound together, binded together, he deals with baggage. Number four, while I wait, I have big dreams. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to God working in my life. Why? Because I am the one that places the limits that God has for these big dreams and things that God has for us to do. He's not getting in the way of those big dreams. I'm getting in the way. I'm the one that poo-poos, if I could use that word. That is not a very good English word. I'm the one that stops or hinders, or interferes, or you may be that one. When God is speaking to you about a dream for this community, listen, this church is a miracle in action. It is a miracle in action. And you know the story, many of you, some of you don't. It was said that 13 years have gone by without a summer being uh, you know, a problem where the finances have come through. Listen, it wasn't always that way. And some of you don't know. And it's true, I've just been re-elected for another term as superintendent. I'm now in my ninth year as superintendent, but I was in the district nine years before that. So I'm in my, what's that, 18th year in district... I was here when this church closed down. I closed it down. <laughs> For everything, there is a season. Listen, there's a season. It wasn't what we wanted, but God saw something we didn't see. And so because of that, we're in a miracle. We're in a dream right now. Are you willing to dream bigger? Are you willing to come alongside Pastor Lance and Cindy? Are you willing to come along Pastor Hayward and Effie? Are you willing to come along the leadership and, and along with the Holy Spirit and the work of God in this place and also in other regions as we do work in ministry throughout the district, throughout the province, the world? Are you willing to dream we don't always dream big or expect great things, but I want to see this 
time of waiting. I want you to see it as a time to ask God to take you where He wants you to go and to believe for big things that you can't accomplish. A great quote says, it says, if you're yet to accomplish something in your life that you couldn't have done without God, then you've yet to accomplish something. I want to trust Him to do everything that I can't do. And that's everything. Because in Him I live. In Him I breathe. In Him I have my being. I can't take a step without God. Listen, I'm not talking about being in a perfect place. I could tell you if I had the time and if I felt the liberty of story after story through the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, now almost 56 years of living, I could tell you of a lot of things that if I had it my way, it would have been different. Very different. But God. But God. But God who is rich in mercy. But God who knows all things. But God who says that which I have started, I will complete it until the day of Christ, the appearing of Christ. Listen, body of Christ, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us not faint. I don't know if I'm speaking to a few or to many. I know I'm speaking to every one of you. I want every one of you to receive the word of the Lord today. But I know that God is speaking specifically to many hearts today. And that this word is a word that will transform your life because it's breathed by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote down the scriptures, but God breathed the word. People wrote it, but God breathed it. It was all God breathed. Listen, we serve the same God. The same God, if we were back 2,000, 3,000 years ago, and God was breathing words into our lives, and we wrote it down, and it found its way into the Word of God, it would not be by might, it would not be by power, it would be by His Spirit. That's the same God we serve. Let's not separate and, and kind of divide up the times And say, well, that was a time when God was really moving. And now we live in a really dark, desperate time. Yes, we do. And so did they in the time of Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says that the the word of the Lord was rare in those times. Yes, we deal with crime. And yes, we deal with all kinds of violence. But God creates Adam and Eve, and they have a boy and another boy, and guess what happens? In the Garden of Eden, after the fall, life goes on. They're waiting upon the Lord. A son rises up and kills his brother. How could that have happened in the first 
to the first generation of those created by God in the image of God. Except that there's a devil, there's an evil demonic power that's always been working to try to stop us from that intimacy and that walk with God that he's calling us back to today. And so I encourage you, I encourage you finally with number five, while we wait, spend time in worship. We often worship God when he blesses us, failing to realize that he is deserving of our worship no matter what's going on in our lives. No matter what's going on in our lives, that's the time to worship. Listen, like it's been said, you know, by a lot of sports figures come out, they win the Grey Cup, they win the, you know, the, the, the World Cup, they win whatever cup it is that they win, and, and they come out and they put the mic in their face and they say, I give God all the glory and, and amen. And then they go on to do whatever they do. But how many times do they go into the losing dressing room and go talk to the team that doesn't win and call on a star player and he says, I want to just give God all the praise. I want to give God all the glory. I want to thank God for what he's doing in my life. You see, sometimes we have to discern the words that are being said. Are they being said simply to kind of win a certain audience at a certain time? And they have no strength or power. The real test to worship God is not when everything's going right. It's when it's not going right. That's the time we get breakthrough. That's the time when Holy Spirit comes on the scene. And does things that are so marvelous that only He gets the glory. Amen. He gets the praise. Amen. Hallelujah. We often treat our life with God like a football game, cheering for God when we score or when we, things happen good in our lives. But life isn't about waiting for the victory. Listen to this as I close. For the marriage, for the job, for the success, for the family. But listen, worship is about realizing that over every moment in our lives, he is already victorious. He is already victorious. He is a great God. He is worthy. We want to be so intertwined together with Him that whatever comes our way, as we go through great times of success and victory, as we go through promotion, as we go through just all the obvious things that are good, we give Him the praise. When the things happen that we don't want or expect, that we don't understand it, we don't run from God, we run to God. We run into His loving arms. Amen. So let's just recap. Number one, remember what God has done in the past. Number two, deepen your prayer life. Number three, deal with our, your baggage. Number four, dream big. And number five, spend time in worship. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? Pastor said I should close at 11.30. Let's turn around and look at the clock right now together. 11.28 and 35 seconds. Come on, say amen. amen. Whoo, somebody's on.
You don't have to be long to get through. You don't have to drag it out. You need to have something to say. You need to be prepared. So now, God, lift our hands, everybody, and let's just worship Him. God, we worship You. We worship You, God. We ask for the spotlight. God, I thank You for this light that was given to me. And I ask, God, that it would shine, not this light, but Your light, God. As the people see this, Lord, may they remember, God, that there is a light that is shining from them even in the darkest of times. Even when they can't see God, God is there. Even when things are not going as they planned, they need to trust God. They need intimacy with God. I need intimacy with you, Lord. God, I need for my family to know that I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That I don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but I wrestle against principalities and powers and forces of darkness in high places. And God, if you have defeated Satan, then he is under our feet. Can you say amen? amen. Give the Lord a praise offering today. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't we close? Why don't we close with just stomping our feet? Go ahead and stomp your feet. This is just a reminder of who's under your feet today. The Bible says that Satan is under our feet. And so we just stomp our feet in Jesus' name and remind ourselves that every place that the sole of our foot treads, you have given us that land. You've given us that territory, God. We thank you now in Jesus' name. We thank you now in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.